hold on. You should. You, here's one you will know because you've been to a Blazers game. Uh, where is he at? Where is he at? Soldier. Soldier boy, tell you. You. That's what they play every, when when Nurkic scores. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I've never noticed that before. You. Yep. My uh, knowledge of hip hop and rap music is is completely limited to check your head and specifically professor booty and that's pretty much where it begins and ends <laughs> all right well hey you know, I, hey, you know the wheelhouse <laughs> i love that song so much professor what's another word for pirate treasure well i'd say booty booty and that is as much hip hop as you're going to get out of me. <laughs> hey, are you ready to roll? No, 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 we're rolling. We're rolling. Okay, good. That better be the intro. <laughs> of course it will be. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs here, as always, with Danny Morang, who just got me to uh, do my impersonation of the Beastie Boys and Professor Booty, which is one of my favorite songs. So thank you for allowing me the opportunity to do that, Dan. Oh, God, that was great. And all, all thanks to the Rap Board Soundboard. God, the internet just keeps giving and giving. And okay, you need to just step away from that because I can't have you like interspersing this entire conversation with random exclamations from your new toy. Oh, you don't want any Soldier Boy little you coming in? <laughs> It's a you're it's it's enough to just make it through the episode, Dan. <laughs> hey, uh, before we go into the Blazers, how's your week been? Oh, are you adjusting to the uh, Fast and Furious pace of having to watch all of the uh, Blazer games sequestered with your other two outsiders? <laughs> yeah, that's that's fun. Like they literally lock us in a closet with eighteen. I can't wait till game seventy five and you guys are all just losing it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've watched the game with me. You know how loud the knocks I can be, which is even worse than the podcast. And poor Shane and Joe. Shane, I think it was about ready to burst up blood vessel last game. So, yeah, no, uh, it, it, we're going to look all grizzled, too, because we've got something coming up for, for No Shave November. We're actually doing some things for the charity. So uh, we'll actually look like we've been locked in a cave here for the next <laughs> Did you find time to do anything else fun? I mean, you're coming off your birthday week. Um, did you have anything good to follow it up with? Uh, yeah, we went, to, went out to dinner. I checked out Brazil Grill with a family and a girlfriend, and that was that was actually went really well. So I'm I'm, I'm pretty stumped about that. How about you? Uh, well, I went in today to uh, get my nails done, and the lady looked at my nails and said, "What is the matter with you?" <laughs> and I said, "The Blazers played yesterday, and I was completely fine." And then yesterday, I just like chewed off all of my nails during that game in <laughs> against Miami. Perfect. She was like, "You should have come in earlier." And I'm like, "I know." And then she said, "What were you doing?" And I said, "I was watching a Blazer game." And she goes, "Oh, the Blazers never win." And I was like, "I think that's a little. I think it could be a little more generous than that." Exactly own heart but i tell you uh they just lost two out of the last three and it feels like so long ago last week when we were so excited bring out your dad bring out your dad so much has happened since then but what i want to start with okay so uh last week the blazers were three and oh they are now three and two no yes um anyway is it is it really like it was just fool's gold? Are there uh, everything that we saw in the preseason? Is that all gone and we're just back to the same team we've seen for the last couple of years? Or uh, has there really been a change and we just have had a couple of games where there was some regression and they haven't completely put it all together yet? A uh, little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Um, the, let's, let's get this one out of the way first because the Wizards game was inexcusable. Uh, that's, that's, that's the conclusion I'm reaching right now after watching the Wizards play the last couple nights. Okay, so why did they lose that game? <laughs> I I have no idea. I, I get that Brad Beal and John Wall are matchup problems for Dame and CJ, um, but... And there's always a Morris brother. Yeah, and, and people want to get off on Stotts or Nurkic, you know, not switching. That's a, that's a Dame and Nurkic thing that they needed to figure out. Um, the fact they went back to it over and over and over again. 
um, was kind of ridiculous. Uh, I, I get why Stott stuck with Nurkic on the offensive end because they didn't have an answer for him. Um, so yeah. I mean, they didn't have a big center. So was the idea we'll just play our big bully center and he'll take care of it because that like why didn't we go small? Uh, they tr- or they they go small. Excuse me, I am not on the team. I am making no decisions for that team. <laughs> they, they tried to go small and it was kind of ineffective. Like that that game was just uh, Kelly Oubre kind of getting off. Uh, it was just it was just an ugly ugly mm-hmm. game from a lot of points and it just. It shouldn't have been that. I, I get that that team has talent, but I don't think people really realize how just toxic that entire Wizards roster is right now. Like they're they're like a day away from having a. They, we're probably going to get reports in the morning that there there's a players only meeting tonight. Do you think? I don't think the Wizards would have a players only meeting. They can barely stand to like be on the court together. Why are they going to like you can, <laughs> choose to all be together in a meeting? Like if you look at John Wall, you can be like. That man hates every one of his teammates. Like just, just it, it manifests itself on the floor, mm-hmm. and yet Portland still couldn't find a way to get that game done. Okay, the, I felt I, like during more willing to excuse. I felt like during that game, Washington spent a whole lot of time on the ground, and because I kept thinking, I hope it is cold and miserable down there, because they kept they fell down so much. Did you notice any of that? Was I just being particularly sensitive? No, no. There, there were a couple of those that were really bad. I can't remember. Was it Waller Beal that drew a charge foul? It was nowhere near mm-hmm. anything. I think it was on Curry, and I was just like, "What the hell are they buying?" Yeah, I mean. Curry knocking over John Wall is just like a wall right now. I mean, he's like a he's like a a cinder block wall. There's like a brick wall, and then there's like a cinder block wall, and he's like a cinder block wall right now. And like Seth Curry is not a big guy, and him, yeah, he was not charging. No, and, the, and that that was like the, the least of my concerns really in that game. Um, but it just overall, the game was just ugly right like everything about that game was just like why why is portland struggling why is washington still in this game why i just i had more questions than i had answers during the game and after the game i was just like what is this monstrosity well i had it written in my outline to ask you why did they lose that game and it sounds like you really don't know <laughs> there wasn't anything that you could have and pin, it, there's not one thing to pinpoint. No, and then you've got Morris Paul on Curry shorts. We even talked about that. And just, I'm so sick of the Morris twins. I, I really am. Like, I, I'm, I, like I'm going full on. Get off my lawn with those two guys. I'm but just, don't you? How, how would you feel if they were on your team? I'd hate them. I, I hate. Really? Yeah. No. Those. There's a difference between being just a complete jerk, and I put the Morris twins right up there with Draymond. Like, they just. I, I don't want. I don't want to be a part of it. Like, throw back to, to Draymond Green, and I know people are like, oh, my God, I take Draymond right now. Yeah, I, I get it, talent-wise, blah, blah, blah. But I'm just talking about the mentality. Remember when Draymond, when he was kicking people in the nuts left, right, yeah. there, and how mm-hmm. it was a natural movement. What do you expect me to do? It's all real. That's how I play. He hasn't done it since he got his ass in trouble. Like, that's be- that's because he strengthened his core. I feel like he did a lot of Pilates to get to pull all of the control back into his core, which was causing him to kick out so much. Yeah, I just I, <laughs> that game. I just wanted to just burn in a fire. I mean, the Blazers getting that much production again from their bench. Um, Dame and CJ obviously had really bad nights, um, and they were still in it. Mm-hmm. Um, just I don't know, man. It just it was just a crappy, crappy game up and down. Like I can't pinpoint one single thing why. I mean, you could just go with, well, Damon CJ had bad nights, but it was. <laughs> right. I mean, CJ had an atrocious shooting night. Mm-hmm. So maybe this would be a good time to ask if you think there's something up with CJ or is he just having one of his slumps? Because he, he does this. He does he, this. Yeah, it's usually he, a little bit later in the season, but it happens. Yeah, he's had like three of these in his career. Right now, he's shooting better from three than he is mm-hmm. from the field. Shooting 40% from three and 38% from the field right now. Yeah. And he's well, – I've gone back and I've watched the tape. I've, I've watched just him. He's getting to his spots. He's just not hitting shots. He's making a conscious decision to get more towards the rim. 
Um, the free throws really aren't there yet, but he is going towards, well, with the exception of Hassan Whiteside, because he saw Hassan Whiteside, he <laughs> just turned right around. Um, but then again, with the way that was going in the first half, it's not exactly surprising. But yeah, He's driving along the baseline a lot to get to the rim, as opposed to going straight at it like Damian does. Yep. Well, I mean, that's, that's more, I think, about where he's getting the ball. Okay. Yeah, because he's just getting it over there on the three, and then he curls in. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of his a lot of his action off ball uh, is a lot of baseline cuts, so he ends up getting the ball in the corner quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like a one a one series of plays in particular where he was going dribbling with the ball um, on the baseline, and he got Whiteside to bite, and then he bailed out on the shot and kept his dribble alive, and then got Whiteside to bite again and wouldn't go up again. I'm like, just Get to your spot and take the damn shot. So I, I don't know if he's in his own head right now or what. Like I'm, it, It's five games, so I'm not like, oh, CJ needs to figure this out. But, I mean, he needs to kind of get this going. Um, mm-hmm. we, the Portland can't waste any more of these ridiculous nights from Damian Lillard. That was his sixth 40-plus point game in his career that he's dropped or the Blazers have dropped a loss in. Really? Mm-hmm. So – Wow, Five that's the six. sixth time that's the sixth time that he's scored forty or more, and the Blazers lost the game. Yep, and five of those six have been on the road. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on and talk about the uh, Damian Lord forty-one points against Orlando. So that that's a, a funner ending. <laughs> that was a spectacular game from him. That was a that was a nice game all around. Um, you know, any, any thoughts on that? I mean, we've talked about, like, it's been talked about all over town because of the heckler who, by the way, I heard also, and he was super annoying. And I, I had no idea while it was going on until like the end of the game that Damien had been uh, listening to that guy. Cause like, you could totally hear him through the broadcast. Yeah. Dude was, I mean, I guess you pay that kind of money as long as you're not crossing the line, say whatever you want. But he said that, you know, all he said was brick and it was just simple trash talk. Simple trash talk isn't going to just catch Damian Lillard's ear. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to get his attention. And I heard some of the, the other video comment that came out of Reddit and stuff like that. And, like, dude was being a little ignorant. But nothing, like, that was toxic, I think. Yeah. But Damian Lillard, I, I, I think... He took exception cool. to it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the dude makes 30 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists look simple now. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 obscene what he's doing. Like every time, the morning after he was for one day, he was the highest scorer in the league. Yeah, he's second right now. Oh yeah, sorry, that was after last night's game. Shame after, on him. after the Miami game. Yeah, shame shame on Damian Lillard. How dare he not be lead the league in scoring? Uh, yeah, now he's back to number two. It would be really nice to have Dame and CJ though both performing well to start the season. Like we haven't. I, I don't think in the entirety of, of those two playing together where they've had like a, both of them had a great start to the season. Yeah. They just both came out firing. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we shall see if, if they come out firing soon. So after the Orlando game, they lost in Miami and that was uh that was a drubbing. And that was a, uh, that was a game we uh, watched with the women's hoops and talks group. And the best comment that, <laughs> that we had all night was somebody who said, well, CJ is certainly going to have to work hard to get to that 50, 40, 90 year. Now he's got a long way to go. <laughs> he's got the 40 down. <laughs> it's like, that is so true. <laughs> 50. I mean, he's had a five for 25 night and a seven for 20 night so far. So, yeah. okay. But my, my question about the, the game against Miami is that game look, looked different in terms of the rotations. It was like Stotts spent, um, a lot of the second half with uh, Collins and Leonard. And we're going to talk about Collins, at least, in a little while. Um, but those guys were making it happen, and they they made the comeback happen. Um, but for the first half, it just felt like last year. You know, it just felt like nothing was falling for any of the shooters. Damon CJ were holding on to the ball because they weren't sure if they could get it. Bless his heart, Aminu has having a really hard time getting the ball to go in the basket. He's playing defense like nobody's business, but he can't get anything to fall. So, what did did you see anything extra concerning in that Miami game, like that you think was worse than the Washington loss, or what are your thoughts on that game in Miami? So, the Miami game, I'm just willing to just burn. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it, You're thinking it was Miami nightlife is undefeated. and Yeah, that's exactly it. They had a day off in Miami, first road trip early in the season, Evan Turner's birthday, that night off. Oh, I forgot about Evan Turner's birthday. Yeah, yeah Evan Turner's <laughs> birthday in Miami on a Friday night. I mean, they came out so sluggish. And that would make sense why Zach Collins played well, because he's only 20. And even then, he didn't play great. He played okay. Um, nobody really played great save Damian Lillard. Like, I mean, Seth Curry was on the floor for 20 minutes and took two shots. Stout, mm-hmm. uh, he, had a, he had that one ridiculous drive and finish. Um, but he only got four shots up in 13 minutes. Aminu got two shots up in 21 minutes. Her so is first bad night, but I mean, like it was nobody saved Damian Lillard really had a good night. That's not true. Jake Lehman played well in his few minutes he was out there. Everybody else, for the most part, had had a rough go of it. Um, but you think that was not something? That's not that's not like an indictment on their play or their. I mean, on their um, on the playbook or the scheme or nope. like anything like they particularly tried that was different that failed. It was just. A rough going. Yeah, Nurkic probably bore the brunt of that. Nurk looked bad. Just, just first two shots up against Whiteside were soft, weak, throwback. Nurkic, Whiteside sent his stuff out, and then he took that three. And I have no problem with him taking threes. I am still on board. It looks good when he lets it go. Let him, let him get a, a three or two up a game. Perfectly fine with that. But it was a horrible looking attempt. Uh, and then Whiteside kind of started feeling himself on the defensive end. He wasn't really that impactful offensively, but defensively he controlled the paint, and then guys, instead of going at his chest, avoided him like the plague. There were so many times where guys turned the corner and saw Whiteside, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to settle for this contested mid-range jumper instead of like going at the shot blocker and trying to get him in foul trouble. And I was just like, come on, man. But Nurk started it all. Well, so the way that Whiteside does it, how how is that different or similar to the way that Yusuf Nurkic guards the rim? I mean, they both guard it kind of the same. Whiteside's just more athletic and more explosive, so he can get okay. more shots and block more shots and recover a little bit quicker. Uh, Nurk takes up a little bit more space and probably makes you work a little bit more in the post, but Whiteside offensively was like two of eight and took those two just absolutely atrocious threes or it looked like somebody hit paw halfway through his jumper. Like I, I was, I was talking to the guys afterwards. I'm like, he, he did the first three he took. I was like, I have never seen somebody get disinterested halfway through a jumper. <laughs> Just in the middle of it. Like, yeah, like, I'm done. <laughs> like, like everything looks good. And then he, he gets to like where he's going to get to the release point, And it's like, I don't care anymore. Like that, that's the, the, the best way that I can describe his jumper. And I was just like, Okay, they're gonna. He's gonna take those. We 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 can live with those, but man, it was just, uh, I, I, uh, yeah. Somebody on that team had a really horrendous looking free throw too. It was I don't I can't remember. It was like right at the end of the game where somebody on the other team shot a free throw that was just the weirdest looking thing. We were all like, "Did you see that? That was the strangest looking thing." Well, Winslow's got a funky release. He's not a great shooter. You got Dwayne Wade out there. Going, I think this was Magruder. Yeah. yeah right oh, in, God. Dwayne Wade had a really nice night. Yeah, yeah. 18 in the first half, one in the second. Yeah. He just took over in the first half and had his like revival moment. And, of course, it's a throwback game against C.J. McCollum. And C.J. has said that's his toughest matchup year to year. And really, like, C.J. has not had an easy go of it on the defensive end. Like, if you think about the guys, with the exception of, like, Evan Fournier, the guys he's had to go against – have length and want to play defense right so he's drawn some tough assignments at the beginning of the year is what you're saying yeah i mean you, so he's got to work hard on doing that yeah you look Maybe at the that's list, tiring him out a little bit you've got rondo you've got kcp josh hart's not really the defender but you've got some guys who want to work defensively you've got demar Derozan, who has eaten cj up in the past and, and did so for the spurs that was the only bright spot for the spurs bradley beal another guy just kind of you know made it rough on him uh, goes to Miami and he's got Goran Dragic, he's got Dwayne Wade, he's got Josh Richardson, he's got Justice Winslow. Uh, even Tyler Johnson will make you work. Um, the, the only thing that, that didn't hinder the Blazers against the Heat that you know could have gone their way was Wayne Ellington. That was because he didn't dress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you remember the, the game last year where Ellington went nuts. Blazers ultimately came back and won that game. But yeah, it was... Uh, 
It was bad I mean, until I, Damian Lillard saved him. I still think that every every game there's just going to be one player that's going to go off because they decide there's okay this guy if if anyone's going to beat it it's going to have to be this guy it's going to have to be through this like there's always one person who just like gets a career high or whatever against the Blazers and I think it's because their scheme is like okay nobody else is going to beat us if he's if he wants to shoot all night long he has to uh beat us all by himself we will prevent anybody else from doing anything whilst you know while bradley beal can get his 51 points or whatever i just think that's because it just happens so often i just have convinced myself that it's yeah. part of the plan and the thing was like well like Dwayne wade evan turner played him really well and he's hitting contested fadeaway threes mm-hmm. he hit the, the, the buzzer he had that one he had one in each corner he had one where he, he was catching from left to right, fading into, into the right corner, and then he had the one at the buzzer after he had stepped into one to kind of get everything going. Then he had the um, he had the post possession on Stauskas where he hit him with a Smitty, and then went up and under, and that was just beautiful footwork. But his first bucket, I believe, was against Evan Turner where he worked Turner down low, and Evan's not an easy guy to move. But his footwork, his strength, his his ability to get to his spots, he hit him with a move, a counter move, and then he bumped Evan once and went to a turn and fade, and it was just textbook footwork. And he hit that shot, and I was like, yeah, that's vintage D-Wade. There's not much you can do about it, and you can't play better defense than that. Mm-hmm. Just one of those nights where a Hall of Fame player did Hall of Fame things. like that. Of all the things of that night, that bothered me the least. What bothered me the most, and I get the, the Miami nightlife, and this is kind of why I'm burning the game tape, was the complete and utter lack of effort by anyone to grab a damn rebound. Mm-hmm. Myers Leonard and Yusuf Nurkic. Nurkic had a bad night. There was one thing that both those big guys did that nobody else in that damn team did that night, and that was box somebody out. Because mm-hmm. I'm just sitting there watching guys just stand there and watch offensive rebounds come down. The Blazers got beat 16-8 to on the offensive glass. They came in as the best rebounding team in the league, and they lost 56-42. Like, that's just... That's inexcusable. That's nothing but effort. Okay, I feel like you're you're getting pretty riled up about this. Um, <laughs> uh, out of me because that's something that something that Aminu has been spectacular at this season. I mean, he was leading the Blazers coming into the game. He's the best rebound on the team. He's been phenomenal. The bench unit had done a really good job rebounding as a unit. Like guys had come in and helped each other out. I did not see anybody helping each other out at all that night. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, they well, they they definitely did not feel like a unit like they have been earlier uh, in this season. And so at the end of the game, when Collins and Leonard were in there together, I felt really confident. I thought I thought what Leonard was doing was exactly what he needed to be doing. He was doing what we always say. He was setting screens. He was boxing out. He was didn't shoot great, but he did make at least one three, and he's yeah. enough so that people have to at least pay a little bit of attention to him. Yep. And then so I tweeted out something about how everyone should stop the Myers-Leonard slander, and uh, people thought that I was all wrong, and I was completely um, no. delusional about that. Oh. And maybe he didn't. He maybe he didn't score a lot of points, but like there was there have been other games where the Blazers were struggling. I think, um, you know, that that Wizards game where it was just like put in Myers, like just change things up a little bit. Like he's, you know, if if they're in a rut, just like put some new blood in there. You know, why, give it a try. We know why Dame was able to get absolutely just scorching hot because Myers because Myers was clear. getting everybody out of the way. He screened. I think it was Richardson. So hard that Richardson's knees buckled and he went to the ground. <laughs> I mean, he was just obliterating guys. Mm-hmm. When Dame scored in like I think it was six straight possessions, every single play, it was just like the Wizards and uh, game with with uh, Morris and and uh, Wall, where they just ran the same side pick and roll over and over again, and then they deviated a little bit and went to a dribble handoff. But it was Myers obliterating somebody with a screen and then Dame getting downhill on the left-hand side of the paint at Hassan Whiteside, who's 15 feet away from the rim. And it just worked over and over and over again. And I'm like, yeah, imagine that. You get a guy out there who's a floor spacer, who's a plus passer, who is the best screen setter on the team, and you're getting your best shooter in, or best player in, in scorer in space with a head of steam. Yeah, that's going to work. <laughs> yeah, I just was surprised that Stotts hadn't really used it in the regular season much at all. Like, he, I think 
um yeah, I was just I was just surprised. But so with with Leonard and Collins coming off the bench, that leads to one of my questions is uh from week one to week two, are we still feeling confident about the bench? Yeah, I, I still am. Just because they had a a subpar night, I'm I'm not really right. worried about it. Like their bad night was still thirty six points off the bench. This team would have killed for that. Oh man, that would have been like twelve points last year. <laughs> yeah, I mean a bad bench night. and and a, a part of that is that the teams are scoring more. So it's more of a percentage adjustment. So even if like, you adjust it, it's like a 20-point game from the bench last year, which still yeah. is subpar. The bench right. is playing more. Dame and CJ, are, with the exception of that game, are playing less. And the bench is going out there, and more often than not, building a lead, and at the worst-case scenario, holding a lead. Like, there's mm-hmm. very, very few stints where they give a, a, you know, a, a real lead up. Mm-hmm. That right there, I think, is something that they can kind of hang their hat on here early in the season. So one thing that's uh, surprising about the bench, to me anyway, is that uh, except for with the exception of last night, it's really been Zach Collins is just the straight up center off the bench. And um, one of the things that you said a lot last year was that Zach Collins is two years away from two years away. Mm -hmm. So we're a year in. Um, Is he one year away from two years away now, or is he two years away from one year away, or do you feel like he has made more progress than that? He's made more progress than that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I think we started talking about that really in like January, February last year, where it was like, okay, he can can play some weak side shot blocks. He can rotate over. He can move his feet. I didn't expect the offensive output that I've seen from him so far this season. Um, He's he's had a couple of really, really, really nice moments. The the post-up against Mo Bamba stands out significantly the guy can't back up a point guard but you put him against one of the longest players in the entire nba who's stupidly athletic and has some of the best shot blocking instincts in the past 10 years and he wants to go head to head with him and bang him and push him off the spot turn and fade over the shoulder and i was like okay that that was nice um i've been watching for him and his ability to move people off of their spots because you were always talking about that and I noticed two this past week. One, and I can't remember. Um, I think it was in the. Uh, I think it was in the Orlando game where he moved. I can't remember who moved out of the way, but he totally moved somebody out of the way to allow uh, Turner to get to the rim, which was cool. And then against Miami, he uh, totally pushed uh, Jeff Green out of the way too. So I was like, okay, he's at least two for two, <laughs> being able to push yeah, people out of the way. He's trying, and I and I like that. Um, I like his attitude. I I like like at the end of the Miami game when uh, they interviewed him, he said, you know, Myers is probably going to get all the blame for this, but it was really me who let Whiteside get through to get to Myers. I should have kept him out of there. And I was like, wow, that is really observant. And I like that attitude where he's total responsibility for it, whether or not it was also, you know, I'm sure, you know, Myers had certainly had responsibility in that as well, but I really liked uh, Collins' attitude about that. Yeah, and really, the, the, the play where Whiteside took it away from Myers, like, it happens. Whiteside is a rebounding monster. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, when Myers secured the ball, I don't think he realized that Whiteside was right over his shoulder because he had boxed somebody else out. Um, that play doesn't really bother me in the grand scheme of things. That's not me excusing Myers. That's just, that kind of stuff happens when you have a guy like Whiteside who just gobbles up rebounds and is right around there all the time. The plays that bothered me down the stretch, I and mean, this isn't just the poop on Collins here, but oh, but you walked right into it. So I, go I, ahead. I was going to re- read off a bunch of statistics about how well he's doing, but if you'd like to go ahead and do, you no, know, this, your litany. This first. is no, no, no. I think, like I said, I think he's done some spectacular things offensively. He's impacted the box score in a way that I did not think possible this year. Um, offensively, he's he's looked better shooting uh, when he has. He's a, averaging ten point eight points yeah, a game. Yeah, when he has his feet set. Good. He, he, that's something he's clearly worked on because when his base isn't there, it's it's still just a bag of cats. But when his base is there, it looks nice. Um, and that's easily the biggest offensive change that I've seen in him. Um, and, and I like that they're trying to get him the ball in those positions where, you know, he's had a couple shots on the uh, outside the paint baseline extended 10, 12 feet where he's looked really, really, really comfortable shooting the ball. Um, but no, the, the instance in that in that Miami game that bothered me the most was it's like three straight plays where Collins got fooled by of all people Kelly Olynyk, like that was like you're supposed to be the the defensive kid. 
come on, do not do not bite on Kelly Olenek pump fakes. Like, yeah. You are way, way, way too athletic to jump up in the air and buy that. And it was like, God, that's that's the young kid in him. I think, yeah, I think falling for pump fakes is youth. I no, mean, come it, on, Dan. No, no, Zach Collins had a good week. No, no, I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying in that particular game. No, that was, to me, his Miami game was his worst performance on both ends. I, 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 he did... He, I think he made up for it and made his box score look a little bit better by getting to the free throw line and going eight for eight. That was huge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's but, not just like a throwaway, like, oh, he had a terrible game. Well, oh, yeah, but he was eight for eight. Like, can we stop no. and pause for a minute? On, I, he was eight for eight from the line. That's not like two for two. No. It was, it was I mean, great. and that was during a comeback. Yeah. And it's great because last year his, his ability from the line was was not good. Like, So that, that to me, that's a that's a big time improvement. Uh, I was hoping to see a little bit of that improvement in use of Nurkic from the line, too. Um, but that hasn't really manifested itself. But Zach did some things in that game I thought they were really nice. Obviously, everybody's going to look at the um, the free throw line and the back-to-back threes that him and Myers hit. I think those were the standout plays. But I think he also gets some of the, the, the blame for when the Heat responded right away. I think Olenek had eight straight points, and they were all on Zach. There was the one rotation where Zach literally left Olenek completely and didn't recover to the three-point line. I think it was right after Dame hit a three, and it just crushed the momentum. I was like, ah, come on, young man. Okay, well, he was not the only one who had plays that uh, hurt the momentum. No, look at... Look I feel at, like you're just... Going focused, mom on. Like, you no. can't just say something nice about him and then move on. No, no, that wasn't it at all. I, I think that they, so far through this season... I think he has had four really good games. But I saw a lot of people like, Zach was great tonight against Miami. And I'm like, yeah, that's the one game that I'm like, no, he, he had some really, really, Dan, really. Dan, it's totally play. subjective what you mean by great. I mean, if you want, no, he wasn't Rudy Gobert, okay? No. no the I, kid I, is I, not I, even 21 I, years old. He's he, he's he, in the middle of a comeback and he hits eight for eight from the free throw line. That is a lot of pressure that he needs to get credit for that. And just I, like, I did, I said, he's been great, <laughs> but it's always followed. It's always followed by a big, but I, I think the same things about Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Like I, I, I don't understand this need to like not be critical of somebody just because he had a good night somewhere else. Like that's, that's not a thing. Like let's, let's go with Myers. Myers screened people incredibly effectively. He boxed out. He needs to knock down those shots that he took. Going one for five out there, if he goes two for four or three for four from three on what were wide open shots, the only one was contested, I think, by, oh, was it Drogic? Because they ended up getting two points out of it immediately after he missed because he just kept running by him. Myers tried to recover, but he knocks down that shot. It's, it's a five-point swing. So I, I, I get the idea that Zach has been good, and I'm giving him credit. Like, I legitimately think Zach is playing way better, especially in the offensive end, than I ever expected. But I think some of that, these, not the offensive stuff, the defensive stuff that I think a lot of people were, were really hanging their hat on, I think that has been his biggest shortcoming this year. Not that it's been bad, but I think some of his biggest mistakes and his errors have been on the defensive side, where in the past, that's where he was always shining and his, his errors were almost always offensively. So I think that's a little bit of an interesting change. Okay, I just see a lot of more airtime devoted to all the things that you think that he's falling, ways that he's falling short. And I wanted to point out the fact that he is, like you were saying, actually impacting the box score. And you were saying that would be success. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is uh, scoring 10.8 points, 5.2 rebounds. His shooting, 69.2%. Yeah, he really is. From uh, three on 1.8 attempts per game, he's 55.6. Obviously, that is going to, uh, you know, probably regress. But he's making these shots that he wasn't making last year. And it's a lot of progress. And, you know, it was you were just so sure last year that he was two years away from two years away. And I think we've seen more progress. And like I said, he doesn't need to be alongside. Last night was kind of the exception where he went in with another big man for extended minutes. And but otherwise, he's playing fine. Well, here's the thing. It, with how that played out with him at the five versus him at the four, 
Harkless is out tomorrow, today, whatever you're listening against the Pacers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to see Myers now because Harkless has been playing a lot of four. So I think Zach probably slides back down mm-hmm. to the four. And Myers probably, I think, did enough at least to stop for Stotts to be like, all right, well, i got to give Myers at least 10, 12 minutes. So we could see more of what we saw against Miami where Zach's a little bit more um, – of the four? Yeah, a little bit more that, okay. for, uh, playing a little bit out on the perimeter um, and being more of the weak side guy, uh, a little further away from the rim, uh, as opposed to being the quasi-rim protector slash weak side guy, help defender, um, that he's been playing with the second unit. Well, speak, let's move into the upcoming games. Um, so Monday, like you said, against uh, Indiana, Mm-hmm. Indiana is four and two. Uh, let's see. Tyreke Evans will be back after mm-hmm. serving the one game suspension for missing practice or being late to practice. Did you read his, <laughs> his apology? That was the greatest apology. And it people who ever have to make an apology should refer to his apology. It went, it reads like this. I was late for practice. This is the most professional and team oriented organization I have been with in my career. They deserve my best every day. And I am disappointed in myself for causing a distraction that prevents me from being able to help my team tomorrow. I will do better. He absolutely knocked it out of the park. Remind but, me again, who, who's the coach for the, uh, Nate McMillan. Who's the GM? Kevin. Is it Kevin Pritchard? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a feeling that this, this organizational structure that he's referencing is somewhat familiar to what they had in Portland, where you do not show up late to practice. <laughs> so that's not surprising at all. But uh, it was just a I perfectly read- written apology yeah. in terms of he took full responsibility for it. He did not lay it on them to be like, oh, I'm sorry you guys were put out because I was gone. It was like, no, I was gone. I was wrong. I'm not going to do it again. That's- that is how you make an apology. That's the Pacers, that's Larry Bird building this organization and laying a foundational structure, much like what the Portland Trailblazers have done for the last de- almost decade now, in that there's an understanding of how things are supposed to be done. And I, I love that Tyreek recognizes that because he's been in crappy team situations. Like that, that man has played for some really, really, really bad organizations. Mm-hmm. Shout out, Kings. Um, so I think when you, as a veteran player, when you get to an organization where you're like, okay, this is how things are supposed to be done, um, when all of a sudden that dawns on you and hits you, and you're like, yeah, no, that's that, that's awesome. I, I know it's a really, really simple thing, but it's great because it's manifesting itself for the Pacers. Granted, they're 4-2. and two, They probably should be 5-1. and one. They're second in the league in field goal percentage. They're first in three-point percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and they're, I think it's interesting. They're first in three-point percentage, but they're second to last in attempts. Mm-hmm. They're not attempting that many, but they're just really accurate. So they're getting good, really good looks, I guess. Yeah, I mean they're hitting ten threes a game. The, so the, how are the Blazers going to uh, attempt to play them? Well, that's the thing is that we talked about how it's been rough for CJ. <laughs> Guess what? It doesn't get any get any easier. He's got Oladipo, who is going to hound the living hell out of him every minute he's on the floor. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's just how it's going to be. Um, so yeah. How, how to defend the Pacers is kind of funny because here, let me, let me pull this back up. I, I had to switch tabs there. Um, the, it'll all be Jake Lehman. will have to score cause they won't have a plan for him. <laughs> and you know what? Shout out Jake because Jake has just kind of done his Noah Vonley thing. Mm-hmm. He plays 10 to 12 minutes, knocks down a three finishes in transition, plays passable defense, like works hard, energetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a guy. He's a guy out there who like Noah Vonley is just a guy who likes to play basketball. Yeah, I, like he, he just has that whole vibe of like I'm a guy who I'm here, I'm playing. Yeah, and he's and he's not disappearing. He's not forcing anything. I haven't seen him really pass up on anything or make a huge mistake. Um, and I think that's what you really want from your fifth guy out of your starting lineup right now with with the way Portland's roster is structured. But if you look at Indiana, their leading scorer is Oladipo. That's not a surprise, but he's only averaging 22 a game. Oh, so they have pretty balanced scoring throughout, yeah. huh? You've got Bogdanovich with 15. You've got Sabonis with 13. Turner with 13. Tyreek with 12. Thad with 10. McDermott with 9. Corey Joseph with 9. Collison with 8. Like, 
if you throw, a lot of weapons. Yeah, if you throw McDermott, Joseph, and Colson each a point more a game, they've got two, four, six, eight, nine guys basically averaging double figures. That's nuts. That's so damn difficult to deal with. So how do they do it? I mean, do they just outscore them? That's that's the way you do it. Any, anything in the NBA right now. Let's touch on that particular because I've had to like bring this point up like what feels like a dozen times already just over the last week about scoring in the NBA and people like they just don't play defense anymore. No, they play defense, folks. Their pace is at an all-time high. Three-point attempts are at an all-time high. Free throw rate is at an all-time high. More possessions, more efficient shots. Shots with the clock stop turns into more points. That's flat out what's going on. We talked about it in the podcast last week how more threes lead to longer rebounds, longer rebounds lead to runouts. Runouts lead to three-on-fours, three-on-twos, four-on-twos, so on and so forth. So that gives you all of your, basically, your umbrella coverage for why teams are scoring more. It becomes more about being better situationally. That means stopping points in transition, limiting turnovers, and transition opportunities off of turnovers, because those are the, the, the real killers, not fouling, and taking away high-efficiency shots. Shots at the rim, mm-hmm. corner threes. Everything yeah. else you live with, and that's, that's, the, that's everybody's game plan. The teams that are better at it, have more guys that are 6'6 to 6'10 and more switchable because they can be more impactful. Think of how, I mean, Boston's kind of a dumpster fire right now, but Milwaukee, uh, Philly. uh, uh, Well, I want to actually move on to Houston because they're another switchy-switchy team, or they were a switchy-switchy team. They they were until they got rid of everybody that plays defense. Right. (laughs) And they're really struggling, and that's who the Blazers will be playing next after they play Indiana. Did you want to finish up anything on Indiana? Yeah, with Indiana, it's it's just a you have to play a team game. It's it's a Nate McMillan coach team. Like they're not going to do anything that's going to blow your socks off. They're going to have some nice wrinkles, but the, the team they've assembled, okay, from all those guys that I named, Oladipo, Bogdanovich, Sabonis, Turner, Tyreek, Thad, McDermott, Joseph, Colin, uh, Collison, um, who of those guys is the one you, you that, that takes a playoff? I don't know. It, is this a rhetorical question? You no, tell me. No, it's, it, I mean, it's a real question. It, it, it's a bunch of guys that work. Sabonis has made a living now of, of a being like a, a 13 and 8 guy who works his butt off. Miles Turner, people are in Indiana are still hoping he figures it out, but he's another one of those guys. Um, Tyreek has really turned around over the last couple of years, added the ability to knock down a three and play defense. Oladipo's one of the best two-way players in the entire league, probably right in line to take the mantle away from Kyle Lowry as the best two-way guard in the league. Um, so, yeah, it's... It's just going to be a tough, tough night. Okay. So going from that into Houston, um, <laughs> they are having a rough go of it right now. But I am, this is the game I'm worried about more than any of them because they've got, they're going to have two full days of practice and they're going to be coming out with a ton to prove because they got to be mad about the stop that they have so far. They're not going to have Harden. Uh, Chris Paul's back from his suspension. Uh, they got a few guys that are like day to day, but I'm just super worried about this because it's just like odds are things have been going so badly for them and they must be so mad. Plus they're going to have a couple of days of practice under their belt. I think they could just come out and um, come out with a fury. Let's just say. Well, with no Harden, they're losing 30 points a game. So expect Chris Paul to pick up some of that slack and <laughs> Carmelo getting more shots up, which is going to be cute. He's been bad. Uh, he had a kind of a bounce back game. But... He's been scoring, though. Yeah. And, and that's what they need. I mean, he's only... I mean, they clearly don't care about defense anymore because they got rid of Ariza and Mumba Amute. So, like like you said, like they don't have the defense that they had last year. P.J. Tucker and Chris Paul are like the only guys willing to play defense consistently on that team. Michael Carter Williams, James and James Ennis eh, to an extent, I guess, and he'll probably get some more run with Harden out. Um, so, do you think that they're spent going to spend two days practicing, or like practicing defense, or no. are they just going to get their shots up? And I the, mean, Mike D'Antoni practices are, are kind of known as as pretty laid back practices. There are some coaches that really get after it during the season. Mike D'Antoni's teams are not one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, now that could change with how crappy they're playing. Right, and they don't have their defensive coach anymore. Their defense guy left. Yeah, no, he's gone. I mean, to go to a different team. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you? If you're if you're a defensive coach and you're like, 
You just got rid of my two best defenders. What do you do? You gave me Carmelo. What am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> and also, I think they have two guys who, the two guys in the league who least look like they're enjoying themselves ever. Chris Paul and Marquise Chris always look like they're so miserable. And maybe they're just lovely people and that's just how their faces are. But they always just look like they're just hate being there so much. Hate face? Yes. Yeah. No, I just uh, – that game screams trap game. And Lord knows if Portland drops this game in Indiana, oh, my God. If they go one and three on this freaking trip, yeah, this – I mean, just – Then all of your hope that was a week ago is completely gone. It's snuffed out, just gone. Because dropping the game in Miami, like, I'm willing to, like, just, like, okay – Miami nightlife, first road trip early in the season, get a day off in Miami. Those things happen. Miami, L.A., if you get a Friday night off, like literally, if you you ever want to see something hilarious, just go check the results on those. There's a calendar site that you can find that you can see that. The winning percentage for the home team for Miami or Lakers or Clippers is like 72%. It's it's absurd. It's like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, night off down there. Well, I'm sure all our guys were in their hotel playing cards at like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, so it is kind of what it is. That's that's the nature of the beast. Um, okay, but we don't want them to lose both Indiana and then, God forbid, turn around and lose to Houston. Yeah, and if they're going to lose a game, lose the one to the Pacers because I can't stand hearing this crap from Rocket fans. Or Hey, this is the game that got the Rockets going. No, no, I want them to win both, but for the yeah. love of God, do not drop a game to the Rockets, sans James Harden, because then the narrative of, hey, here are the Blazers again dropping games against teams who they have no business dropping games against when you know the premier scoring option is gone. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, the game that I'm most concerned about is the final one against the Pelicans, or is the next one against, against the... Uh... TV game on the first. Right, and yeah. that's like, how do you think the Blazers are going to go in um, against the team that swept them in the playoffs? Well, is AD playing? <laughs> because right now he's got an elbow sprain. Uh, it, he's expect he's game time decision is the last I saw. Yeah, I mean that's that's really what it hinges on because um, you don't have Rondo at the at the point of attack anymore. You still have Drew, but um, and Peyton has had a uh, an ankle injury as well. They've got a they've got some guys who are nursing some sore stuff. But okay, every time anybody in the NBA right now is out with soreness, I'm like, that's it. That's the Jimmy Butler trade. It's going down <laughs> every single time. Okay, let me like, about that real quick. I mean, I was like, Mo, Mo Harkless in the middle of the game had knee soreness, and I was like, oh my God, the Jimmy Butler trade is happening. Speaking of Houston and the, the Jimmy Butler trade, oh God. four first round picks. Okay, folks, the Stepien rule. That means it's every year. That basically puts the Rockets out of of like like tangible picks for, t- for a decade. Like I, I don't I don't think people fully comprehend. This isn't quite the Nets like what they gave up for for Garnett and Pierce, but this is the kind of thing where if it didn't work, it would be disastrous. Like all oh, the protection. No, there's no protections on those picks except for maybe the back end. And if you're Minnesota, you tell them no. Well, it's not going to – how are they going to pay him? I mean, it's not going to work. They'll they'll find a way to do it by moving the money necessary. Uh, And then Carmelo obviously comes off because he's got a a massive cap hold. But it's just – I think it's a terrible idea, but I'm I'm all for it. I mean, I I, I love what Daryl Morey has done when he's seen an opportunity where he's really been interested. This could be just – I thought Carmelo was on a veteran's minimum. He is, but he's still got a massive cap hold. Oh, he he carried the cap hold with him from yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. So when he goes to free agency, when he, when he has a cap hold on him, he'll have a big one. They'll just wave it away. Okay. But, um, like I said, they'll find a way to make it work if that's really what they want to do. They'll restructure one of the deals or something. I mean, Chris Paul wants his banana boat. He's gonna have to give up some money. Um, but back to the the Pelicans. Um, AD has been an absolute monster. Uh, but the guy who's really been fantastic offensive heritage i mean he cooled down a little bit but he's shooting like 54 46 something like that just absurd he had three the first three games of the season i think he was averaging like 33 or 34 a game um defensively he's still a, a turnstile but 
I don't think you really care when you have Anthony Davis. When you can put up 149 points. <laughs> yeah, and, and the other one, the, the the big addition for them has been Julius Randle. Julius Randle's playing 20 minutes a night and getting like 16 and 10. Like, that's the most effective production I think I've ever seen from a dude in 20 minutes a night. Okay, but so, you know, the the way that they won against Portland was that they continually sent two or three people after Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. How does Portland adjust to that? Well, if AD's out, it's a whole hell of a lot easier because both Lillard and McCollum can, can beat that press, and I don't think New Orleans does that without AD back there. Like okay. it's very, very, very difficult to do that if the big back there is mere not or, is, is not yeah Anthony Davis. <laughs> um, like uh, Jake Diallo out there playing defense, Ja Okafor out there playing defense, not really scaring me all that much. Um, but let's say that they have a full roster. Full roster? Well, pray that Jake Lehman can break open a defense. Uh, well, I mean, how does anybody, I mean, God, are they still undefeated or did they finally lose? They finally lost. Uh, if they are, they're like, I think they're four and, yeah, they're four and one. But I mean, they're leading the league in points. They're ninth in rebounds. They're second in assists. I mean, they're just. Yeah, they're super good. They, they look really, really good. Now they're, they're not deep. But we can't just be like, oh, there's no way to beat them. I mean, there's got to be a way to beat well, them. I don't think they're going to blitz the way they did because they don't have the same personnel on the perimeter to really make that effective. Now, Drew, Drew's going to do his thing. Alfred Payton, uh, he's got length. Uh, and he, in the past, hilariously enough, when him and Oladipo were together in Orlando, they were a nightmare-fueled matchup. For Dame and CJ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was when they, Portland used to lose, uh, lose in Orlando, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, because those two guys would just take turns just wearing those two guys out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that that potential is still there, but I think Dame is elevated to a level. I think the Blazers have learned that they've got some new wrinkles. Um, I think going to a five-out lineup with Myers, with Zach, I think that helps. What do you mean five-out? So five guys outside the paint. Oh, okay. Your space in the floor, open, opening lanes up. I mean, you saw, you saw what they did against Miami with the high pick and roll of Myers and Dame. Uh huh. Um, now, if it's Alvin Gentry and he's an evil genius when it comes to Portland, he always finds like one thing and he just picks at it until you just can't stand it anymore. Right now, it's blitzing the pick and roll. In the past, it was double teaming Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, he'll always have some wrinkle, but in the regular season, you're not going to see. I don't think that kind of commitment to that particular thing, but I wouldn't be surprised in the least bit if it isn't featured pretty strongly. How about their bench? Their uh, Blazers bench or? No, there are the the Pelicans bench versus the Blazers bench. I'm I'm not worried about that. Uh, I think the Blazers bench, I think that's where the Blazers could make some hay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, I mean, you've got Evan Turner, who with the exception of the Miami game has been really good. Both yeah, setting I'm, I'm loving him running that second unit. Yeah. And like we talked about last week and like you wrote about, having Mo in that second unit when he's healthy, um, I I think it's a, it's a good fit. Extra plays. The, 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 Although the... he's still, I, I don't know, I like, I have not noticed Mo much the last couple of games. I know that he went out early in the Miami game, but he... Okay, <laughs> Here's here's my hot take on Mo right now. Shut him down. Shut him down mm. until there's no more knee discomfort, no more knee pain. I don't care. This cannot go on all season. It can't. Mm-hmm. It's if if it goes on all season, it's become it's going to become a chronic issue. And yeah. Both him and then it's just going to be a it's going to be just a thing that's yep. hovering over everybody and like is Mo with us tonight? I don't know. And we talked about this last year, I think when I can't remember who it was out, but where like they just you didn't know from game to game if somebody was going to be there. Maybe it was Harkless back then too. Yeah, no, he he needs to get this sorted out. That's that's bottom line. Um, and what that does to the Blazers' depth at the wing position is terrifying. Uh, that probably means okay. Like- wait, is is it? Uh- is it terrifying? Is it concerning? Is it like, oh, things aren't as bad as we thought they were going to be? Because um... well, don't have any guys that you, they can readily place in there, so it's going to change what they do with rotations. It's it probably. Well, I mean, he already really hasn't been there that much, and so it's Jake wise. starts. But minutes wise, he's getting twenty two a night. Like that's not like an easy thing mm-hmm. to replace. Yeah. Um, 
the the whole idea of like, oh, we could just plug in Gary Trent Jr. and slide Evan Turner up to the four. And I'm like, what? <laughs> You're gonna, what would you do? I, I would go with what Thought did last night against Miami. I played Zach at the four and I played Miami right, okay. at the five. I dress Gary Trent, Gary Trent Jr. And if there comes a period where it makes sense to downsize, give that give one a, a chance. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking if the, if, if the game's kind of in control – that way, there's a, I think there's a little bit of a, of a good, warm, fuzzy feeling in your stomach if it goes well. And if it doesn't, you go, eh, rookie. And you go back to you know what you had in, in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, back to finish up on New Orleans. Any other thoughts that you have about how Portland uh, could come out with a win on that game? So if their bench outperforms, if the Blazers bench outperforms New Orleans, if uh, Anthony Davis isn't there, but I don't think we can really count that. <laughs> the other thing is, is just guys, Dame in particular, knowing when and where to pick his spots, not forcing it. And Dame said this after that series, like he wanted to do so much because of the way that they were covering him. Yeah. That it backfired. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing like, he can't take himself out of the game. That, that can't happen. But in the first three games of the season where the Blazers started out really, really well, uh, they, one thing I noticed over the first four games, you say, um, Dame made a concerted effort early on in games to get other guys involved. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be a huge, huge step forward, um, and kind of set the table for him to take over later in the game. Well, and on both with the starters and the bench, I've noticed this year, if guys got the ball and they weren't in a good position for the shot, they right away gave it back. Instead of just standing there hesitating and pump faking and, um, you know, trying to figure out what, like, so we could sit there and, like, watch the whole decision go on in their heads. They were just like, nope, not this one yet. And then they just they just keep working. I guess that's the flow uh, until someone can't. But I feel like they have that down a little bit better this year, both on the starters and on the bench. Like, on the bench, like, if Evan Turner gives somebody the ball and they don't have a good shot, they just give it right back and so that he can find the next one. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a perfect observation. That's something that, that stands out so far this season. The ball hasn't stuck that much. I think in the Washington game it did. That might yeah, help them a lot against New Orleans, actually. I think. Yeah, you, you have to keep an active defense off. And, and honestly, I, I like what they've done offensively where they have attacked mismatches. They, there have been a lot of times when, particularly with the bench unit, when there is a switch on Evan Turner down low, Evan is going to take whoever's little ass down there. <laughs> uh, and even if he doesn't get a shot up, he's going to make somebody commit somewhere, whether it's a step down low from, from the weak side, you know, above the three-point line. If somebody comes in and helps and digs in a little bit from the corner, somebody's going to move somewhere or Evan's going to use his big butt and get to the rim. Yeah. I mean, he's, his field goal percentage, with the exception of the Miami game, has been great. Like, he's been consistent. He's not forcing shots. He's getting to his spots. And with that, I would like to see – the. I know I said I'd give him a month, but I'd like to see Seth Curry – step more into that and we saw that in the was it the orlando game where he came out and he i think he had 11 points against orlando and he had like a burst where i think he had eight points in like two minutes mm-hmm. like oh oh okay there there we go i'd like to see a little bit more of that i'd like to see him force the action a little bit more when evan's doing the initiation and i think that's part of why they brought in stauskas and curry was for these kind of matchups when the floor is spaced. Mm-hmm. E.T. hasn't taken a three all year. I thought he took one. Oh, did he take one? I could have. Maybe, s- I I, maybe I looked at these last night before the. Um, I could have swore he took one. I now, now you're. They were posted. Um, but he is shooting over 50% from the field. And then I was like, but he's no threes. <laughs> or maybe he was just like. Oh, for he, one. No, and so he, he was there. three. And I think one of them is a heave. Oh, okay. So I, he's got. Two, three points. The only downside I've seen to Evan Turner's production so far this year on raw totals is the dude hasn't got to the free throw line. Mm-hmm. He's got six free throw attempts in five games. Yeah, it's that's not a much. A little bit weird for a guy whose offensive production comes from at the rim. Um, I mean, is it at? Is he's more like out a little bit farther than right at the rim? Uh, I mean, most of his plays are within you know ten feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they are definitely um, closer to the basket. Well, I have one more observation. It has nothing to do with any of the upcoming games, but um, I was wondering if you noticed it too, that, and I had this, uh, so 
I feel like Aminu's handle has gotten a lot better. Is that just me? I mean, I'm not still I'm still not saying it's like great and like any of the guys who have a great handle, but it seems much less chaotic than it has been. Oh, I don't know necessarily. I haven't paid that close attention to him and like and as far as offense outside of his movement and the shots that he's taking. Um, I'd say overall, I've been pretty disappointed in his production. He's a knockdown shots. I haven't really seen him the uh, the the circus party dribbles. That hasn't really happened. No, he's he when he drives, he's so much more under control than he has been in the la- in my opinion. He looks way more under control than he has in the last couple of years. Um, and he had that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful under the basket, like up and under through three guys. I can't remember which. I wrote about it in my mom's favorite column for the week. Um, but it was just, it was gorgeous and it was, but it was right at the rim. Um, but yeah, he, I just, but, <laughs> and he was getting, you know, I was watching him get like all these re- rebounds and he's starting to be the guy who like, um, when it, there's two blazers, like he grabs the rebound. And I just had this feel, this realization of like, Oh my God, he's in a contract year. Like this is, Aminu playing for a contract and I, yeah. you, know, you know I love him but he is like he's like pushing his own players out of the way to get the rebounds when there's three Blazers standing there after a free throw miss and he's grabbing the rebound over two other Blazers <laughs> and I'm like oh Aminu's in a contract year <laughs> that's what, like, the, the one play that comes to mind with him and his handle I mean he didn't sh- he was atrocious from the field otherwise that night but when he put the ball on the floor and attacked JaVale McGee and dunked all over his soul. Oh, yeah. That was nice, too. That was the most controlled, direct, aggressive dribble move I may have ever seen from him. Like, in traffic, like, it was like, I'm going to go here now. I dare you to stop me. Um, and we don't see those from him very often. No, he, and we've seen more this year than we ever have. Yeah, he looked more like Thad Young there than... Al Farouk Aminu. Now, I, I'm a firm believer that he'll round back into shape three-point-wise and end up at like a 37%. But, God, it would be nice if, uh, you know, he started knocking down shots in some of these slow nights. Yeah, him and CJ. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah, I really hope he gets it together here really quick because I'm at the point where it's just like, I I can't really figure out what's going, going on because, like I said, when we kicked off the show, he's getting to his spots. So, mm-hmm. well, we shall see what happens as the week develops. Anything else you want to touch on before we wrap it up? No, I think this is going to be a uh, a pretty telling week. Like yes. we had a couple games early on, we're like, hey, all right, we had a couple games here. We're like, ah, crap. Now we're like, okay, let's get find out kind of what's in between. Uh, I, I think the a couple things we can say right now: Damian Lillard is a first team All NBA caliber player. Um, yeah, he's going for MVP and he's going for being voted into the all-star. And I think that he has a chance to get voted into the all-star starters. I I disagree with you just because there is a city in Los Angeles that has a basketball team. Who are the guards? They they let two guys. So Lonzo Ball. Honestly, I think Lonzo will get more votes than Damian Lillard. And that's just because of sheer massive people who follow. Okay. And... That that that'll, that alone will keep him out. Well, and who's the other guard got, that's getting in? You've got Chris Paul. You've got Russell Westbrook. You've got Steph. Curry. Do you think people are still going to vote? Oh, Steph! I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah. Totally forgot about Steph for like an hour. Yeah. Um, okay, so it, I think it, it, if they would change it so they could have a three guard lineup in the All Star game, then Damian. But I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let go because uh, I mean, you know you never know. Nothing is impossible. Like not even like the forty one. 40 plus point nights just like damn near 35 and five every night like yeah yeah that's that's gonna get some notice but it also is gonna take portland to be really successful for that to have to portland will have to be successful for that for that to happen yes Mm -hmm. Uh, well then he's just gonna have to settle for an mvp yeah but i mean like like i said i Dame has been phenomenal like that that gear that we talked about like coming Mm -hmm. into the season like likely 
We're like, there's no other gear. He no. he he went up a, an extra gear last year. Yeah, no, he's he's found a gear. He has and, a whole nother gear. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he's amazing, and we are so lucky that he is a trailblazer. Zach, <laughs> Zach is impacting the box score in a way that I did not see coming this season. That's been huge. Uh, Evan I, I, Turner is doing fantastic, leading the bench. Stauskas ability to attack off the dribble is still a defensive liability, but he's a, another offensive weapon. I think that the Blazers will at least be able to count on to be a consistent threat. That's new off the bench. It's not Pat Connaughton. It's not Shabazz Napier. It's a guy who legitimately can create his own shot and be effective at all levels, like getting to the rim, finishing mm-hmm. traffic, knocking down threes, coming off curls. It's been it's been a while since the Blazers have had anybody just offensively off the bench who could do those things. So it's nice to be able to check those boxes. And I think he's, I think he's for real. I, I don't think he's a six man of the year candidate, but I think he's somebody you can count on. And that's, that's a big swing. Um, and I think this, this is the, this is my hot take. I think Myers is, um, is better than he's ever been. And they just got to get him on the floor. I'm I, sure I'll get heat for that, but no, <laughs> I, I really think he is. No, I think that there's a way, there's a world that exists where Myers Leonard getting 10 to 12 minutes a night is a good thing for the Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just bring in a little energy, bring in a few extra fouls, and you know, bring in a guy who can give you something a little bit different. Kind of throw off the um, the rhythm for the other team, so the other team's like, "Whoa, I didn't think they were really going to do this." Myers <laughs> <laughs> so, in what? Just one more. You know, you gotta you gotta use everything that you're given. And the last one is um, shut Mo down, shut him right. down until he's 100. percent I don't. I just I, I'm just done messing with this until he's like, yeah, no, I'm 100 percent healthy. I wake up every day after a game, at, at normal basketball soreness, not mm-hmm. ah, my knee hurts. So, mm-hmm. yeah. well, let's uh, let's hope that they have a good week and um, we can be back on our. Oh, everything is so great. <laughs> yeah, that was way more fun. Night, like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah but it's fine we have to remember not we can't get too high and we can't get too low I which is like really hard for you <laughs> i live in the moment damn it i know you live in the highs and in the lows that is for sure so i will try to do a better job of of keeping you uh not too high or not too low good luck <laughs> all right well um i <laughs> Like I said, I'm Tara Bowen Biggs, and you can find me, follow me on Twitter at TCB Biggs. You can also follow the Hoops and Talks podcast. I have a Hoops and Talks episode coming out later this week. That's on Twitter at Hoops and Talks. Dan, go ahead, take us out. All right, folks, you can find me on Twitter at DMarang, on Instagram, anywhere else for your social media needs at DMarang, at D M A R A N G. You can find me on every Blazers pre and post game show on the Blazers Outsiders pre and post game show with Joe, Simon, Shane Brennan, and myself. Uh, an hour before tip off, and as soon as Michael and Jordan get off the air post game. Uh, in the meantime, um, check out the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast if you haven't already. Tara has great people on, and they get some really cool discussions going. Oh, I got a good one coming on. Who you got coming? Uh, the founders of The Relish. Oh, which- perfect. Yeah, I don't know if if people have heard of it, but it is a um, it's a it's a sports platform which is. Uh, Centered around women, and they have some new things that are they are coming out with, and it was just super inspiring. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, these ladies are wonderful!" So I'll be working on that and getting that up later on this week. Comes out every other Thursday. Perfect. Uh, when's your guys' next what meeting? Oh my gosh, I can't. I don't know the date off the top of my head, but we have one every month. And if you want to find out what all the dates for the uh, hoops and talks meetups are, they are pinned to the top of my Twitter profile. See, that's why I plug these things for you. Thank you, Dan. Mm-hmm. You're you're Blazer's Edge version of Shane Brennan. You just don't plug yourself enough. Okay, well, that's what we have you here because because you like to talk, so <laughs> you can just take it over. Oh, that's that's a terrible idea. All right, folks. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Like, rate, review, subscribe, do all that kind of stuff. Undo it all, then do it all over again. Break the system because Apple still hasn't figured it out. Uh, for Terrible and Biggs, I'm Danny Morang. We'll catch you guys next week. See you. <laughs>